Hi there, and welcome back to Building Better Basketball. I'm Neil Gray, Community Coach and Volunteer Development Manager for Basketball Australia. I'm really pleased today to welcome along Jack Fleming for today's episode. Jack started out with the Mighty Greenhill Beavers in 2009, coaching boys and girls from 8 to 16 years old. He then moved on to rep positions within Diamond Valley, Hawthorne, and into the Basketball Victoria State setup. He served two years as the under-16 Vic Metro assistant before graduation to the head coach of the under-16 Vic Metro men. In July 2021, he was appointed to the assistant coach position of the fairy tale story of the last NBA season, the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. And he was part of the coaching team that had the amazing run to the grand final in their first season. Jack also is a fantastic blog. I encourage you all to go and read where he highlights the lessons he's learned through his journeys and posts plenty of interesting coaching lessons from multiple sports. Thanks for giving us your time today, Jack, and I'm really excited to have a chat about your coaching journey. Thanks for having me on, Neil. Really looking forward to yeah, talking hoops and seeing where we go with this. Jack, your journey's been right through from the very grassroots of community basketball, like I talk to, talked about, right through to the, the highest stage possible in Australia and the grand final of the NBL. Um, what have been some of the most important things you've learned about yourself as a coach as you've transitioned through um, not only each location, but also each um, stage? Yeah, it's interesting now. I definitely feel like I've been through every, uh, you know, every step in the you know, coaching pathway to some extent from you know, coaching under eights and multiple domestic teams to uh, where we are now. But I kind of started, I think, like everybody, you just copy what you know and, you know, see see where that takes you and copy what your favourite coaches did. But I definitely got to a certain point where you start to figure out what your own philosophy is and start to find your own way and how you can um, find a method that you're comfortable with. But as you learn more and more about about the game, you kind of get stuck in this curse of knowledge where you can know too many things <laughs> and you know you're trying to figure out which direction um, you can take but I think the best part about at least my journey is with every every little step that I've taken you know every different role presents a new opportunity but you know I feel like um, the main thing that I've taken away is that at every level you know you're, you're coaching people and you know, the more you invest into those people, and the more you learn about them, uh, the more you can effectively coach your group. And that's one thing that hasn't changed. Just you know, different strategies in connecting with a you know six-year-old boy starting you know his career to a thirty-year-old professional who's been you know a big part of their basketball journey from when they first began. So yeah, that that's been one big takeaway. Is just you know the, the more you figure out how to connect with each individual and the team. Uh, the more you're going to get get you know the most out of uh, coaching that group or that person. Have you? Do you think it's often something that I've seen across multiple sports that people automatically assume that Jack Fleming, the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers coach, when you get given the the hoodie and the warm up shirt and the key swipe to get into the the stadium, that you also get given this little Bible full of drills that only professional basketball coaches get access to. But it's not like that, is it, Jack? Some of the best drills you would have run with the under sixes, you're probably um, running to an extent 
with the jack jumpers, just stretching them out a little bit. Yeah, definitely. The you know, basics of the game don't really change. Um, and yeah, what was sometimes effective for an under 14 individual is exactly the same problem that, you know, someone who's, you know, a pro and 28 years old is facing. I also think, you know, the most important part when you're coaching is the context. You know, we have these guys every day here in the MBL and you can be, you know, quite specific and uh, detailed with your approach versus, you know, when you have your under 14 domestic group you know, once a week on a Wednesday night, you've only got six or seven kids. You're trying to get the most out of that time. So while, you know, the methods might uh, change, they definitely transfer across all um, all levels. And we're doing, you know, we're trying to pass the ball hard and have good back spin on the ball when we shoot and, you know, lock our elbow and snap our wrist just like, you know, we would with eight and 10 year olds. So yeah, the basics and the most perishable things, they don't they don't go away, they don't change. Going into the the brand new environment of the Jack Jumpers, Jack, um, as a coach, what were some of the things that you and your colleagues did to build a culture and a team spirit that, from the outside looking in, was was really strong and obviously on court had um, significant success. Yeah, I was feel very fortunate to have you know spent my first year in the league under Scott Roth, who's you know, done an amazing job coming into a brand new environment and setting up a culture that will hopefully be sustainable for a long period of time in Tasmania. But if I could probably windle it down, there was three things he did really well and they don't, they don't sound super flashy, but probably the first thing was he had a, he had a vision for the type of people that he wanted to be in his uh, program. You know, he, he spent some time when he first got the job down in Tasmania, um, you know, traveling up and down uh, the coast and what his vision was that, you know, he wanted players who are humble and players who are hungry, you know, some players who are going to put the team first and then also players who they had something to prove, you know, maybe they've been cut before or, you know, they players who you want to give them a second chance and, you know, they had a little bit of edge about them. So that was the first thing that that, we wanted to tick those boxes when we brought people into our program. And sometimes that's half the battle. The second, the second part of that was, you know, just setting up a program where there's good processes in place, you know, where players are going to make sure that, you know, they get their meals provided during the day when they practice, or we're going to have consistent video review sessions, or, you know, we're going to have uh, time spent together as a group on the road. And, just having processes in place where, you know, you're going to run a professional program that's going to be consistent in their processes, whether you go 17 and 11, like we did and, you know, made the finals on the last game or whether we went zero and 28, we wanted to create something where, you know, there's certain processes that can survive the test of time and, you know, be an environment where players are going to feel like they're part of something and they're going to improve. And then probably the last, the last part of that uh, triad would be, you know, our ability to engage uh, in the community. We knew how important it was when starting a new franchise that it's not very fun without people in your building. So, um, you know, part of that was doing clinics in the South, but also traveling up to the North of Hobart and trying to connect those two together. Uh, and also just 
spending time as a group with, you know, also the families and the wives and the kids of uh, players within our program, you know, trying to build a sense of uh, that, you know, the players and those families were part of something bigger than just themselves. So, yes, Scott did an unbelievable job. And uh, while the some of the results spoke for themselves, there's also things on the outside that are going to be hopefully sustainable for a long period of time in Tasmania, regardless of winning and losing. I think by the by the end of the season, the the Jack Jumpers were everyone's second team, at least if not if not their first. So, problem is now you'll go from being the uh, hunter to the hunted as well a little bit in year two. So um, that will be exciting to watch. Um, as a coach, Jack, what did you? What's one thing that you did at Diamond Valley at, at Green Hill for yourself? And for the players that has stayed the same regardless of the level, what's the what's the constant for you um, through your whole journey, and what's the constant message that that you've kind of given to the the players you're working with? Yeah, I think it, it's not so much uh, a message for me, but something that I definitely tried to get better at, and I feel transfers across every level of coaching, no matter. Uh, what what team you have is just investing investing in one on one time and you know whether that's in this environment whether it's going for coffee with players or having discussions about things that are on the court but also things that are off the court or whether it's scheduling in you know once or twice a a year you know a five to ten minute discussion with each team on your under sixteen girls team uh, I I've found that you know you might come out of those uh, those discussions happy or, you know, players might come out not happy. But the biggest thing is that, you know, what you're showing is that you're invested in your players and, you know, you're curious about what, what drives them and where they want to go with their game. But to me, you know, you can't replace one-on-one time and discussions with your players. I think that that's that's invaluable and, you know, that speaks to that you've invested in the person as much as, you know, their basketball development and the team. Um, Warren, you, you've talked there about um, your personal improvement and the journey that, that you've gone on. What are, what are some of the specific things that are some of the places and resources that you use to, to keep improving yourself as a coach, obviously? You will have aims of um, continuing to move up the ladder and, and filling a head coach position at some point. And I'm sure there's many people listening that on their scale are looking to continuously improve. Can you, you've obviously come from, from where you've come from to where you are now, which is an amazing journey across the spectrum and you've got still got steps to go. So um, yeah, can you just talk about, I guess, some of the ways, obviously, I mentioned your blog in the introduction, so www.coachjackfleming.com, which has got a wide range of articles. I was reading the, the one of the recent ones about golf that you put up as well and, and how that transfers. And as someone that has a background in multiple sports as well, I think that's one of the things I would encourage everyone listening to, to um, go in with that broad and, and open mind to um, realize that it's, not just basketball coaching, it's people coaching and, and the sport is, um, the sport's pretty fluid. So 
yeah, all all that said, Jack, what are, where where do you go? What's your um what's your go to? Yeah, I think it's very dependent on where you're at um with your with your journey. You know, I feel I feel like the more I've learned in the last couple of years has usually been outside of the game. Um, like you said, you know, delving into other sports. But the one thing that is really easy to do, I think, as a coach is just you know, whenever you get to the end of a practice or a game, is just, you know, write write down two or three things that, you know, you feel like you did well and then two or three things that you feel you want to uh, improve on for the next session. Just building in some kind of process where you reflect on your own coaching. Uh, that's something that you can do at any level. And when I was head coaching uh, some junior teams, I'd, you know, put the GoPro on my chest and would watch that back or, you know, film, you know, put a camera in the corner of uh, the practice facility and then go back. And it wasn't so much about the technical and tactical, but about, you know, how, how are you presenting in front of your group? Is what you're saying clear? Are you talking too much? You know, that is usually, that was a challenge for me, especially the more you know, the more you want to coach everything. Um, so I would say a big one is, yeah, just, build some kind of self-reflection process. And then if you want to take that another step is, you know, try and find somebody else on the journey with you. And it might not be somebody who's at the same level, but someone who you can catch up with and, you know, talk to once a month or once a week about your own coaching and what each of you are going through, because it's one thing to talk about it with yourself, but uh, you know, you go to it, you take another step when you discuss that with somebody else. And, you know, whether that's mentorship or, you know, just, just peer reflection, I think that's a huge, that's the biggest way that you can grow your own coaching. It's not going to be what you find on Twitter or the internet. Those things are great, but, you know, how can you continue to find what's individual to you that you're trying to grow from? Yeah, I think that's a really, really valuable message. Reflection is, is huge. And one of the, I was remembering a, a story from my coaching background I was coaching open age team and there was a teacher in the group and he um I didn't record myself but you could do this when you're recording everyone's got something that they say when they're trying to whether it's not even so much an um or an ah like everyone's got like a word that they repeat and mine was okay and every time I said a message to the group I'd go okay just and it was a little mental tick in my head to try and get them to give me that nod that there was comprehension but he used to just stand up the back of the group of the playing group and every time I'd say okay he'd put his fingers up to count and by the time he'd run out of fingers I was like right okay we need to there needs to be a better way to do this and that's that's one simple way and I know sometimes it's a bit icky to have to listen to and watch yourself but you can get some real uh, tangible work-ons for yourself as a coach Definitely. It's funny you say that. Mine was all right. So very similar at the end of every sentence, I would say all right, as if you know that was going to reassure somebody. And the other one was, does that make sense? Which is kind of a mute you know, question by the time you've asked it 15 times in one practice. Um, Jack, last question. We asked everyone um, this that comes on the podcast. If you could ask one coach in any sport, alive or dead, a question who is the coach and what would it be one of my favorite coaching books is my life and rugby by eddie jones who's got the um 
yeah, the English national team. And he's actually from Tasmania. Um, funnily enough, when I found out uh, when I moved down here, but yeah, my question to him would be very simple. Like, yeah, what are three things you do to keep improving? I think that, you know, I'm always trying to find, it might not sound like you know, a very interesting question, but I'm always trying to find ways that other people are, are continuing to get better and how can I apply that to my context? And, you know, when you're at that level with national teams and World Cups and you're trying to, you know, be the best in the world, it's very interesting to me how, you know, how can you keep pushing the needle when you don't, there's no one in front of you. You know, that's, that's something that really intrigues me. That's awesome, Jack. Thank you so much for your time today and um, good luck to, to yourself and uh, also to the Jack Jumpers for next year. Uh, thank you very much, Neil. Thanks for having me.